to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. Basically, life is messy, and here we learn to live well anyway. So join me on this journey as we figure it out together. And just to get us started, I'll go first. Okay, you guys, today I have Scott Erickson on the show. Um, what a buck wild fun interview this was. This was one of those books that I actually sought out. I went to the publisher and I was like, I would really like to get this guy on the show. I even contacted his agent because I knew it was going to be good and I knew I wanted to read it and talk about it. And so I got a hard copy of his book in the mail, which was so fun and beautiful because he does the artwork for it. So that makes it really fun. But to add another layer of interestingness and, and joy, I listened to the audiobook for this book because I wanted to hear him say it in his own words and it also as a podcaster helps me to get through the books faster that I am trying to read for all these podcast episodes. So I was able to listen to him read this book which was great in his inflection but then also go and see all of the artwork and the pictures and all of that kind of stuff which really was it was like a, a full sensory experience. It was the best of all the worlds. I can't recommend it enough but however it is that you consume this book I think it is fun and heartfelt and worthwhile and interesting, and it hits at a lot of things that maybe we avoid talking about in Christian culture, like disappointment with our life or suicide or really difficult things that people can be grappling with. And I love the way that he comes at it and he brings both the humor and the sanctity of the situations. And I just think that he does a really good job of balancing both because that's the way real life is. And I think that comes through in his book and also in this interview because you guys, I'm just gonna say, you've probably not heard an interview quite like this one on Live Well Anyway before. It is a little buck wild. You might not want little ears in the room. I think we actually had to slap the explicit label on this one, which has never happened before. But I went ahead and kept those things in because I think we all need to be a little bit less precious. And I loved the humor and the realness that he brought to this interview. I was actually worried going in that I wasn't going to have enough content to talk about with him. And he just took that ball and started rolling. I loved being able to talk with him. It was just such a fun episode for me to do as a podcaster. And I hope that you guys enjoy it just as much. Also, speaking about like being real, I really got real on Instagram this week back on Monday talking about some different things that I've been grappling with and just hardness of situations where, you know, I had thought that hopefully I was on like the other side of the really hard stuff like two years ago, but it turns out I wasn't and things have continued to be really hard and there've been like these daily stressors. And so I go into that a little bit on Instagram and like how I want to be moving forward with the platform and showing up. And so since that was on Monday and I did them in stories, I actually saved it to a highlight so you can go back and listen to those things. But if you're interested in kind of like where I am at in my life and how I'm wanting to show up and move forward with this platform, that is where you can find me deep dive into it over there at Mackenzie Coppa on Instagram. Okay, but without further ado, let's get into this really fun, crazy, heartfelt interview with Scott Erickson. 
Welcome, Scott. Hi, good to be with you. I'm so excited to have you here. As I kind of mentioned, I was like sort of stalking your book and I wanted to have you on the show. And so finally we were able to get all of the pieces in place and it all came together. And, and one advantage though, I will say, cause a lot of times I interview authors before their books come out, but mm. one advantage to being able to have you on after yours came out as I was listen, able to listen to the audiobook. and mm. I'm a huge audiobook fan. And I love to be able to hear, especially like a book like this in the author's voice. And I also have the hard copy. So I kind of got like the best of both worlds because I can uh-huh. hear you saying this stuff, but then also see the artwork and everything. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it was just a really fun experience. And I'm so glad I got to hear it in your voice. And now oh, here you great. are. Well, <laughs> now here I am. Yeah. I'm glad. Can I tell you that recording an audiobook is really hard? Like the, You can because I've done it. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you do <laughs> yeah. voice work. Yes. Um, the guy that I recorded with, he's like, oh, maybe 10% of authors actually read their own books. He's like, yeah. most authors aren't good at reading their own books. And I don't know if I am, but- You were, was, you were. As, like, as a voice actor, I can say, I can stand behind your audiobook. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do think with everybody, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think, you know, when you see yourself or hear yourself, you're always like, is that what I sound like? You know, yeah. so there's always that kind of feeling um on anything we do you just have to get over it uh yeah, i remember i do. heard the comedian nick kroll just say when he was editing the kroll show he's like i just eventually had to get over my big dumb face and then yeah move on, move exactly he's so, like yeah so yeah I'm people have asked it. me that before too and i'm like well but i have to listen to myself every day so mm-hmm. i guess at this point i'm sort of used to it like i'm just not really paying attention to it anymore like that's just yeah it is what it is it is what it is but yeah I you should just be lucky with the audiobook that you didn't have to do the editing part of it because I'm sure from like doing it you know that the recording is usually I mean it can be up to twice as long as what the actual edited down version is once you you know say oh I want to read that line different or you know whatever and the editing is where I just I literally put myself to sleep (laughs) I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's no fun. Yeah. Okay. So well, the real, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I, that's a great place to start. I was just like, yeah, it's a, it's a whole world. It's great. It's not where I'm trying to go, but yeah. I guess if you make books, it's like, well, I should do this. This is part yeah. of it. So. I, I'm so glad when authors, well, they do have to be good at it because if the voice is going to throw me off, then it's like, oh, never mind. But when it's especially nonfiction, like I really like to hear it in the actual author's voice. Like I'm a big proponent for you only listen to celebrity memoirs. You never read them yourself because absolutely, who doesn't want to hear the actual celebrity doing it, you know? So I think whenever you can get away with doing your book yourself, you definitely should. Totally. Like I recently listened to Martin Short. (gasps) Me too. And it's phenomenal because he does voices yes. and, and who knew the whole, I mean, I was floored at the end where it's like, oh, oh. You all of this just to kind of pay yes. homage to your wife and how much you loved her and miss her. Yes. I and like, I oh, didn't see that coming. No, me neither. Me and because he talks about her so presently throughout the whole book. And it just showed me like, well, how not in tune I am with obviously Martin Short's life, (laughs) but it just totally blindsided me. And oh yeah. And his relationship with Steve Martin and Tom Hanks. Yes. I felt like that whole book 
because I listened to quite a few celebrity memoirs. Yeah. And how ironic that we both just listened to that one because it came out in like 2014. But is that I, really how long ago? It yes, came out? I know. Oh, wow. Wow. That's yeah. Amazing. But I thought it gave such a great perspective on like the realness of celebrities mm-hmm. because, you know, you hear about them like running into each other at Walgreens and <laughs> Tom Hanks buying post-it notes. And then like him and Steve Martin and Tom Hanks doing the, uh, the colonoscopy poker sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> I was just dying. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just beyond fabulous because you don't get that perspective of like the realness yeah. of people very often. So yeah, it was yeah. great. That was a great one. That one. Can we just one more? Did you yes. listen to Colin Jost's book? I haven't yet. Oh, it's tremendous. Really? It, Colin Jost, who's SNL. Yeah, I know who it writers. is. Yeah. Yeah. It is a tremendous audiobook. It's it's real funny. I will and put then, that on the list. And then there are some stories. Like his mom was his mom was the lead medic for the fire department during 9-11. So he Holy like moly. tells her story in one of the chapters. And it's like a perspective of 9-11 I've never heard. Wow. And, it, and then there, there's, so there's like these crazy stories and then like, you know, stories is trying to start, you know, go through college and comedy and trying out for SNL. But then it's like growing up in Staten Island. Oh, it's it's great. It's really wonderful. Oh, it's job. on my list for sure. Yes. Have you listened to... Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. No. Oh. That's that's next. Oh, it is because it's set in South Africa Mm -hmm. in his upbringing. And he does the voices of his mom and his aunt and his grandmother. And like, it's so well written because a lot of these celebrity memoirs, it's like them with somebody. So, you know, they have a ghostwriter, but he actually wrote it and his writing is incredible. He hits you within the first two minutes with a punch where you're like, oh, no. Wow. And then he doesn't come back around to that till the last five minutes of the book. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it takes you away and it, it's, you have to listen to it. It's just, it's so well-performed. It's so well-written. It was amazing. That's great. Yeah. And cool. his tales That's about nice. faith too are hilarious because his like mom and grandmother were like devout Christians, but Christians in South Africa, which has a totally different connotation. <laughs> and like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was so good. So good. Hey. Yeah. Hey, look at this right off the top. I know. Recommendations. Yes. That's what, that's what we're going to do here today, folks. And really the main reason I want to have you on the show is just to talk uh, about that you won the price is right. That's, that's right. I did win the price is right. It's probably the greatest accomplishment I ever yeah. had. With is, Bob is, Barker. With Bob Barker. What's funny about winning the price is right is there. And actually, um, a friend of mine is really hooked into the moth storytelling group. And so She's so I'm actually writing my story about being on the prices, right? Oh my the, goodness. The story is I spent my whole life training for that moment and everything <laughs> I thought I needed to do didn't work. Oh and I gosh. ended up, but I ended up winning anyways, just because everybody else failed. Kind of. <laughs> but it was, it was a funny journey. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love that that was part of it. Again, it came out of left field. It was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're just going to slip that in there that you won the prices, right? You weren't just on it, but you yeah. won it. I'm a winner. Like I was at the end dancing around with the Barker beauties, uh, oh waving to the audience. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> That's fabulous. Oh, I love it. 
ladies, there's no one size fits all solution when it comes to hair care, right? I mean, a product that works wonders for curls might make straight hair limp and greasy. I know for me, that's that's my situation. I have very straight, very thick, but very straight and easily greasy hair. And so I have to be very particular about the products that I use to try to extend my washing and keep my hair as healthy as possible. And thanks to my personalized pros routine, I can honestly say I've never been more in love with my hair. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it's personal. Using natural ingredients with proven results, Pros customizes every product in your routine from shampoo to supplements. First, Pros starts by asking about you as a person with their in-depth consultation. Pros asks me really unexpected things like where I live because the weather can affect my hair and how much sun exposure it has and all that kind of thing and what my health is like. All these things that actually directly impact the health of our hair as well that we don't normally think about. Next, Pros analyzed all my answers and determined what unique blend of ingredients would be in every product of my custom routine. Together, Pros got all my hair goals covered. I really love using the Pros shampoo. That's like my number one go-to and I also really like their leave-in conditioner. I spray it on my hair and I also use it on my girl's hair and it helps us to get the brush right through it and I feel like it just helps things to stay smooth without making it greasy and bulky and heavy on my hair, which is really important because I'm always going for more volume because my hair is so straight and Pros helps me to do that. And as a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name literally all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash live well. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash live well for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Okay, well, there were just so many things as we kind of come back around to the book that I loved. I loved how I'm a big Enneagram person. So I loved knowing fairly quickly in the book that you were a four Mm -hmm. because I think when you know that about somebody, it just informs their writing. You're like, you have a better understanding of like who the author is when you know just that very basic information. And I'm a three wing four, so I could relate on some level to some of these things yeah four wing three here they go oh well there you go and so i thought that was really fun to just kind of have that insight going into the book but really this book say yes discovering the surprising life beyond the death of a dream comes out of a stage show that you created right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i want to park there for a minute because obviously from being an actor and having you know a stage past I think that's fun. And I would just like to hear more about, I mean, obviously they, both the book and the show came out of like this hard place you were in, but what makes you go from crying on your toilet to being like, <laughs> I want to bring this to the stage. I would like a spotlight on this. Yes. Well, it, um, it was, so I went through an experience and, um, you know, as you alluded to, I found myself crying on my toilet one, one night. And realize like something was happening to me. And um, and I was kind of, you know, it's a very middle-aged thing, but I was like, or 
almost 40 thing, but I was getting in touch with like who I wanted to be in the world. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like I just didn't know up until then, you know, mm-hmm. and was lamenting the fact that I didn't know when I was like 18 and, and not that I wanted my life to be different, but I was like, Oh, I kind of see what I want to do. And, and, and uh, which was for me. And, and I try to keep it, you know, the book is trying to be very like open so you can find your own story in it. But it was mm-hmm. like, for me, I was like, I think I'm much more of a performing artist. And, uh, but I never like went to a school with a theater department and I, I didn't really, I knew that, but I didn't. And I've been like a practicing like studio artist. And so then the, yeah. the question was like, well, Hey, as a guy who's almost going to turn 40, are you going to start on that? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and the, the inner voice of the voice I called the voice of giving up was just like, nobody cares about an almost 40 year old man trying to become a performing artist. And I was like, that's a strong argument. That's very, that's a good convincing argument because I was like, it sounds embarrassing Yeah, to try there. There is a bit of a cultural lie Mm -hmm. that we tell ourselves, which is at this age, I should be an expert. And it's true. A lot of like the top entertainers top, there are people who, direct full-length feature films my creative heroes like a year younger than me and he's made like six one-man shows directed three films who am I to start right now yeah and uh so I knew I needed I had these like consistent arguments that came up and so I knew I needed to to develop some counter arguments in order to like keep going and and so I did um and I had these like three you know, I was like, oh, there's these similar arguments over and over. So then I gave these like practices or counter arguments. And then after, you know, when you make stuff for a living, I was like, oh, this actually works. I should figure out how to monetize this. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, don't, don't be a dick. Like, just like, sit <laughs> on it for a little bit, you know, like just because you figured something out, it's like, make sure it works. And so I sat on it for like a year. And then, um, you know, when we're going to get into creative work, we're going to get mystical. I just, I sensed the muse just say, I want, you should start talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friend, I was going to Nashville. My friend has a pretty successful podcast that's there. And I was like, hey, could we do a live podcast taping? Because I, what, what would be a format to just like talk about this content? Conversation would be great. So we literally did like 75 people came and we did a podcast taping. And like, I just had like notes. Yeah. <laughs> just like, here's like some stories and some things I'm thinking about. And like half the audience stayed around to talk and people were like, that really resonated with me. So I knew yeah. I had something there. Yeah. The second time I talked about this stuff, I was speaking at an arts conference. I was, I was like, here, here's some new stuff I've been working on. It really resonated with the artists. And then, uh, and then that afternoon is when we found out that Anthony Bourdain killed himself, the celebrity oh. chef travel guy. Yeah. And I just remember being walking in this parking lot in Boise, Idaho, really being confronted with like, look, and I don't know Anthony Bourdain and I didn't know him. And we can only assume, although that movie Roadrunner came out and there's some like things they show in there that are disheartening, but like what his suicide said is like, hey, I don't want to be in my life either. But for me, I was like, yeah, but you represent a lot of the things I hope success brings for me, yeah. which is like, I'm unabashedly myself and that brings me a lot of opportunities. And yeah. and so I was like, well, I know, so that's not going to do it. So why do I think it, it will fill the void in me? It's got to be something else. And and I was like, I feel like I'm on to what that is. And so I, it was in that parking lot. I was like, I want to, 
I, I, I have something, I wanna talk about suicide, uh, but in a way that isn't like, guys, let's talk about suicide. You yeah. know, like, I, yeah. like it, one of the muses for this show was like, I wanna make a church service about suicide because I've never been to one, mm-hmm. but I don't, I can't be so boring like a lot of church services are that you would want to kill yourself while you were at this. <laughs> yes. and, and it was that joke. You pushed that, me over the edge. Yeah, you're just like, oh, I will kill me now because I want to yeah. get out of here. And it was that joke that made me go, it has to be like a comedy. It has to be like a storytelling. It has to be weird. It yeah. has to, you know, and I, I have ADD-ish. I don't know, you know, I was told one time in my life. But uh so I, I like to make things that are constantly moving and changing, and, you know, like yeah. I'm always like, am I bored with this? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> when I'm doing it. So I started kind of piecing it together. It started with like some slides and some notes, and then it got less notes and more slides and different parts. And as I was kind of testing it out, um, I was at this event with a friend of mine who, Justin McRoberts, who we've written a couple books together. And he, I was like, man, I think I should just go back and just like write it all out and then bring it back out again. And he's like, no, I think you should write it. I think you should write it in front of people. Like mm-hmm. he's like, like a comedian would do it. Like just, just do it and work it out and work it out with an audience. Wow. And so probably for like the first 30 five shows my intro was like this is something I'm working out and I and from that I learned like oh I think I think this is funny but nobody's laughing maybe I need to change the joke or what's the assumption here or um it took me most of that time to figure out how to end the whole thing because I there was this pushing I was pushing on this thing and it didn't always feel like it worked and even now, like I've done this over 85 times wow. and I, there's this one section that I had to rewrite and I just figured out how to say it. Look <laughs> like, at that. So it's always a thing that you're like working out. And then I knew I wanted to involve the audience. So I call it, a the show is called, at first I just called it a liturgy of not giving up on yourself. Hmm. And a litur- liturgy means the work of the people. It is the elements of a ceremony, the elements of a ritual that make a transformational event. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to something and and there are key ingredients to that. Um, I would say that what a transformational event is, is for me, there's probably more, but I, I think there's four things. One is some kind of storytelling. You know, if you think of church, you could think of like the sermon mm-hmm. or something, you know, somebody stands up. It's like, I'm witnessing to something. Something happened to me. Telling yeah. me something. Uh, two is music. Now I have all kinds of thoughts about religious music, uh, things I like <laughs> and things I don't like. And uh, kind of where I'm at in my life right now, I, I totally want to go to a place that doesn't have any music because I think it's just, it's ruined for me. I seen, hear you. I, I've seen it's too a many hard bands. One. Yeah. Yes. Just, um, in the show. Yes. And the show and, um, and I've seen behind the curtain too much and I just, but I'm like, oh, but music, music is like my favorite medium. Music is deeply resonant. And even just like primal to just like, you know, we're just making beats, you know, there's just something always from the beginning of human existence. There's something about a beat and a music and something like that. Then the, the next one is, um, 
some kind of gift giving. So not just like money and stuff like that. Although there's something significant where it's like, these people need help. Let's pool our resources together. But there's something about like being able to offer something, share something, being able to give the gift in that moment. And then the last one is a release of shame. Historically in, in traditional Christianity, we would call that confession of sin, but it's less like shamey. It's more or less like, what did you do wrong? It's more like revealing of secrets. Mm-hmm. If there's something when like a comedian is like telling all these secrets and when they tell them you laugh and you feel relieved that somebody else told the secret that you have too. Yeah. And so it's a release of that kind of shame or that hiddenness. And so I think, so when I was like, oh, I want to make a, li- I want to make something that is about this conversation, but I want the audience to be able to participate as well, which makes me a participant as well too. It's like, I'm the curator of the show. Like I, I'm like your, I call myself your story porter. Like I will carry your heavy bags up to your room, but like, like eventually you as the audience member have to bring yourself to the conversation. Yeah. Um, And I, so I like involve, um, and I took a nod from a, there's a a show called uh, Every Brilliant Thing. And it was a play that was in New York and in London uh, about a, it's like a, based off a story of like a, a, a kid who has a mom who tries to commit suicide a number of times and he starts making this list of every brilliant thing. And I saw this play and it was really moving, but they, the guy involves the audience the whole time. And Uh I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to like, so I've been like experimenting with that. And it's like my favorite thing because, you know, it's less interesting for me to like go stand in the Southwest Airlines line and then stand in a rental car line and then stand in the hotel line and then like wait around to then just show up somewhere and then recite some lines. It's, but if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go and be a part of something and I don't know what's going to fully happen. Uh Uh-huh. It is a wonderful experience. I totally, I totally get that because even like behind, I mean, I do a lot of like live videos and that sort of thing. And I'm trying to start doing more of the YouTube route, but it's such a different thing to just be like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and talk to the camera versus when people are commenting and I get to incorporate that and riff off of what they are saying. That Mm -hmm. is so much more fun to me and so much more engaging and not really knowing where it's going and to have that feedback, it's just a totally different experience. Yeah, yeah. Skincare, you guys hear me talk about it all the time. It's a big deal to me and I'm always trying products to try to find the best thing for my skin and the things that are going to be the most effective and have the most long lasting impact on my overall skin health and the way that I look. Honestly, I want to stay looking young as long as I can. And that is why I have really been loving Maraud. Founded by Dr. Howard Maraud, MD, Maraud Skincare is a line of clinically proven cruelty-free products that meet the meticulous standards for safety, efficacy, and care you'd expect from a doctor. Murad is known for their line of acne products, but also their high-performance heroes like Rapid Dark Spot Correcting Serum and their gentle but effective Retinol Youth Renewal Serum. I've been using this whole line and absolutely loving it. Dr. Murad is a board-certified dermatologist and trained pharmacist who is recognized around the world as a visionary for his unmatched scientific innovations. Also, as an authority in holistic wellness and stress management, can I get an amen for infusing me 
these things into skincare. Dr. Murad was the first dermatologist to make the connection between mind, body, health, and skincare. Dr. Murad has always said skincare is healthcare. And as a true reflection of Dr. Murad's philosophy and lifelong mission to help his patients and consumers live happier, healthier lives, Murad has launched a digital magazine and podcast called Well Connected by Murad, connecting the dots between science and wellness. There are stories on the skin, the body, the mind with headlines like love yourself and stay hydrated or frozen cucumber and driving gloves, seven Korean mom skincare tips. Plus their first season of the podcast includes guest appearances from people like Charlotte Zoller and Dr. Manib Shah. Murad's efficacious skincare products can be found at Sephora, Ulta, and Murad.com and you can find their digital magazine at wellconnected.murad.com and the podcast Well Connected by Murad wherever you listen to podcasts. And as a special treat for my listeners, Murad is offering 20% off on their website, murad.com, when you use the code LIVEWELL at checkout. You can also get free shipping on any order over $60. Again, if you go to murad.com and use the code LIVEWELL, you can get 20% off and free shipping on any order over $60. I think you're going to love Murad. They've got so many different things to offer for your skin, so be sure to go check them out and listen to their podcast to wrap everything together about your health, wellness, and skincare. And I, yeah, and there's something about that live, that presence that like, uh, I mean, there's just so many, like, I really give a space for people to share secrets and like their feelings and, and I, and I give them a chance to do it anonymously. So it's, I I never ask anybody, I, well, that's not true. I ask a few (laughs) people to do some public things um, that are mostly fun, but I ask the majority of people to just answer questions anonymously. And then, um, so then they, and they show up and they really do it. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing the things that are shared and, so and it really, it really changes. Like there's like this moment where like, we're here to watch this guy. And then it's yeah. like right at the beginning, it's like, we're going to, I like the, it starts. And then it's like, here's the first three questions. And I turn it to the audience. And then the audience is like standing up and answering these questions. And so then I'll, it just, you can, I can feel the room shift where it's yeah. like, oh, we're doing this together. This isn't just a, this guy thing. That's um, cool. Yeah. It's really fun. That's really cool. So what's one of the most buck wild experiences you've had with all of that <laughs> audience interaction? Oh man, my two favorite. So there's a middle part where it's like, where I talk, I'm just talking about like the narratives that we're stuck in. And, and one of the ways that we, one of the practices is just saying like, what don't I know about the situation? What don't I know about what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. So like, if you ever find yourself bored or stuck, or you're like, my life's so boring, nothing's ever going to change. Uh, just go, well, what don't I know about what's happening right now? And it's, it's engaging curiosity. It's engaging, it's pushing up against the narrative that's saying nothing's going to change because actually everything's changing and things yeah. are going and so I just like I I'll, I'll be I'll I give some examples, but then I'm like inside. What about you? What's what like inside each one of you is a heart that's beating that you're not in charge of. All of us are here right now because of something we're not in charge of. And if you gave a thought to that for a second, it will fill you with wonder. And then I'm like, and inside of you are experiences and thoughts and feelings and secrets. And then I'm like, if you if we could see some of the secrets that are in this room, you would be like, whoa, this room is a lot spicier than I thought. <laughs> and then the next slide is like a series of questions, which are, what are some secrets 
that you'd never tell anybody. And so then it's like five answers and there's always like a poop. (laughs) Um, There's some real like affairs or things like that. Um, But two, two that just like slayed us, like everybody in the audience just like laughed so hard and it it took us a while to recover is, (laughs) So what happens is I give out all these questions anonymously, but then I have the people exchange all their answers. So different people are standing up for other, like they're representing okay. somebody else in the room. So this one there, I was in Denver and there was this like older gentleman and he just, it was like his turn and he, I could just see him go and he's just like, oh, forget it. And he stands up and he goes, I've masturbated twice today and I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And this guy was like 67 and though, oh, we all just laughed so hard. Oh, oh us. Then uh, my last show that I just had in Cincinnati. Oh, I was filled with so much joy at this moment. But this guy's like, I think I have, I have it still. It's like somebody gave it to me. I have it still. But somebody said, I was at my mom's house helping her with her computer and I saw a folder that said writings and he's like, my mom's an author. So I was like, oh, cool. There's maybe there's some stuff in here I don't know about. And he's like, so I opened up the folder and I discovered to my horror that my mom has been secretly writing erotica. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a find. he goes and I was it was a horrible experience but then I just had to realize that yeah I guess my parents have sexual lives and sexual fantasies too oh my gosh (laughs) oh while this person was reading it I was like everybody this is happening right now yeah just I was in the moment just like I was laughing so hard oh like I love that this is happening what a thing to discover yeah oh my gosh and what a format to like be outing these secrets <laughs> like to just know every time you go to a show it's like ooh, what are we gonna get this time yeah yeah <laughs> and it's funny to see the the through line on what people are thinking about in all different kinds of towns and cities because and you know the conversation about because here's the thing about like the conversation about giving up on yourself which i think is a spectrum there's a spectrum yeah. of giving up there's a spectrum of dying because you can binge watch something every single night to not deal with the life yeah. You're in. You can open a bottle or tap your phone endlessly to just kind of numb yourself out. And you can go all the way and be like, I just don't want to be here anymore. And uh, I like last year, a friend of mine took her own life. And, oh, you know, what su- suicide is a conversation you're not having with other people. Yeah. It's a conversation you keep hidden. Because if you open it up, people be like, why would you do that? That is the worst decision. We, you know, we want you around. So it's something you keep inside and then we never knew you were having it. Yeah. So one of the things in that is like, it's very intentional is to try to get like, well, what are these secret conversations we're having? Because it's not just like, do I like being here or not? It's also like, do I love this person or not? Do I love myself or not? Am I Mm -hmm. happy where I'm at? Do I think there's a God? Am I, do I, did my faith go away? Do I think yeah. there's, a, you know, is life a curse or is it a gift to receive? There's all of these things. And, and yeah. so it's in like revealing all of those secrets. You're like, oh, you too. The, the place yeah. you start with a suicidal conversation is solidarity. It's not mm-hmm. like, hey, you're worth it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's the place you start is going, 
um, it's the Mary Oliver poem. She's like, uh, in Wild Geese, she's like, tell me about your pain and I'll tell you about mine. It's yeah. like, it's like you have, you're miserable too. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where you start. You let somebody, somebody goes, I feel miserable and I feel really hopeless. And then the person who's in that same conversation goes, oh, I, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Okay. And that's where we start is kind of revealing that secret. So that's, it's really intentional to, to have those secrets kind of come out and let people share those things. And I will do the, as the performer, I'll do the, I'll do the vulnerable work of sharing mine Mm -hmm. and putting my face to it. You know, that's my job as the the host and the curator, but um, it's allowing like what's going on in the room to come out too. And then, and also like, hilarious things and funny things and weird things and sexual things. And like, there's all, you know, because if, if I can go into this too, is I, um, there was, there's a comedian named Pete Holmes and then Mm -hmm. a spiritual author teacher named Rob Bell, if you know these people and Mm -hmm. they're friends and they live in LA and they did a couple shows together. They did like six shows. They call, it was called together at last. And they were like, we're friends and we don't agree on everything, but we have a lot of overlay in our spiritual journeys. And so they wanted to talk about it. And so I was at the Aladdin theater in Portland with, you know, 500 people. And I was watching this, you know, Pete, like Rob do his, everything is spiritual. Isn't this amazing? You know, doing his, you know, pastor spiritual stuff. And then I was watching Pete do his like dick jokes, you know? And, and I remember sitting in that, room going this is what real life is real life is kind of like sacred stories and dick jokes at the same time yeah (laughs) and if you remember yeah the first line of my book is what we all know about being here is that life is a mixture of sacred moments while letting a little fart out at yes because my my publisher didn't like the dick joke thing neither did joy my agent she's like it's a little harsh it might rub some people so i was like (laughs) i think letting a little fart out at the same time is a great substitute yeah it is that like you're like at a you're at a thing like, holy, holy. And then like, huh? oh, <laughs> just crop dusted the auditorium. You know, like it is, that is, yeah. that is the paradox of life. And um, yeah, well, and, and I liked what you said about that in the preface that it was this idea that, you know, you can't be funny in church and you can't be too holy in the comedy, yeah, club, comedy club, you know, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but our life exists in the balance between the two. Yes. And so you have to be able to get there where you can hold both things. And I really appreciated that you talked about that right from the get go. Yeah. And I understand, like, I'm not trying to break down the contextual spaces because I think a comedy club and a sacred space are both trying to do something. They're they're trying to do the same thing, which is like get to truth, but they're doing it in different ways. And, And I think there's rules and ways of doing that that make sense in those. I, I'm just a big proponent against compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. yourself because I think this, I think what leads a lot of people to spiritual poverty is being like, here, I, here's my spiritual self. And then Mm -hmm. here's my like actual self. Yeah. And and there, and, and then um, a lot of people end up because of the culture they're in and, you know, religion based on shame is that it's like baby steps to a divided person to where that divided self becomes so painful that it just implodes on itself and you 
sabotage your life or just go, I don't believe this anymore. And I, I think a real, like, I, I really think that the goal of your spiritual journey is not for you to become a better person. It's for you to become a whole person, mm. a p- person who can like understand that the presence of love, God, the spirit doesn't leave when you make mistakes or do shameful things. Like there's nothing that can separate you from God's love, but we think there's something that can, but there's nothing that yeah. can. And so, um, yeah, so that that was, so it, it, it was my attempt, like Say Yes, the show was my attempt to do that. In fact, at the very beginning, just like in the book, I say that what we know about being here, because I was like, we're all here. And what we know about being here is that life is a mixture of sacred moments and dick jokes at the same time. And and go into that bit about, uh, you know, we're going to make a space for a little bit more. And then it's very sly, but there's a section later on. I don't even, it's not in the book, but I do a thing. And I make like a little, I make like a little dick joke. It's about, it's yeah. like, and it, it's very subtle. I don't even say, I just say, I'm talking about centaurs and I'm like, what's yeah. the pros and cons of centaurs? And the number one is like horse genitalia. I don't <laughs> even say it. I just have it on a slide. Cause I'm like, we all know we're in a culture that's like, is bigger or better. And I'm like, and I just like to point out that that's mostly a male conversation because I've been married to 16 years to a woman who's never once said, I'm hoping for a bigger vagina, you know? Yeah. So like that's, <laughs> that, but it's, it's, that's just my like s- simple way to just go, look, I'm making a dick joke while we're talking about yeah. God in the same conversation. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think I'm just, for me, it was just like pushing against that needle and wondering one and wondering if anybody wanted to go with me in that, you know, yeah. like. It mostly people have. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. There's a few people who have been like that. That was maybe a little inappropriate, yeah. not that part on its own. But and then I'm like, great, that's fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. You because but, you, we all have our audience, and people have to yeah. know what it's. And there's enough people out there for everyone to follow. You know, yeah. so you got to know yeah. what is right for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I love what you're saying about all of that because I think you know even something you sort of talk about in the book, and we've even kind of hit on in our discussion today is like you get to this point where you're in like your late 30s early 40s and you're like I feel like I should have done more by now and you really address that in the book also but I think it's hard to get to that place where you are able to less segment out your life and come to this more integrated perspective without having had the experiences of you know close to 40 years. There's something mm-hmm. about being on this earth that long that gives you different perspective than you had in your twenties or your early thirties. And, and you even talk about that in the, in the book that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to do the show without having had that perspective, yep. but there, and there's something just powerful about that. And I loved when you pointed out all the ages of all these different people who've done amazing things that really started at about these ages, Samuel yeah. Jackson and Vera Wang. Yeah. And, you know, like that is such a freeing thing for me because I am in sort of that same position of like, I stepped away from an abusive marriage at 33 to start my life over again and refigure everything out. So now here I am in my late thirties being like, okay, like we're just, just getting our feet under us and like moving on. And what is it I want to do? Like, wait, I thought I was going to have that done 20 years ago, you know? And I thought this was 
such a powerful book for that perspective that yes, there are the Kanye's out there and everybody who started young, but then there's a lot of us that have just by this point gotten the experience we needed to do what it is we're supposed to do, which can be very freeing. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies, we do not have to be slaves to the whims of our hormones anymore because now there is Bonafide. Bonafide was created to give women an alternative to effectively relieve the symptoms that accompany hormonal fluctuations within our bodies. Because we all get them from PMS all the way through to menopause. We all have stuff to deal with over the years. And Bonafide wants to provide women with naturally powerful remedies to safely treat all of these natural symptoms that occur throughout our lives. So whatever it is that you are dealing with, whether it's vaginal dryness or you are having hot flashes or night sweats and you need to improve your sleep, if you're having some itching down there or any other kind of thing that could be related to your hormones, Bonafide has something to help. They have created non-prescription solutions that treat women's health issues using ingredients from nature as often as they can to maximize effectiveness and relief. The ingredients in every Bonafide product are the result of thorough research, development, and clinical trials resulting in every product being scientifically validated. And safety is their top priority. All products are made with safe yet powerful ingredients completely free from hormones, yes ma'am, and without alarming side effects. They are recommended by over 8,300 doctors and used by over 333,000 women. So give Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. Real relief without compromise. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use promo code LIVEWELL. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com and code LIVEWELL. That's L-I-V-E-W-E-L-L for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com website. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use my promo code LIVEWELL. And thank you to Bonafide for sponsoring Live Well Anyway. So what happened is I had done like this show, oh, around 70 times and then COVID happened. Yeah. And then, but right before a, a editor from a, a publisher, she came to one of my shows and she was like, I want to work with you. I want to make books with you. And I think this is a, sh- I think this is a book. So I got this two book deal right before COVID happened. And so I spent, um, I've spent most of the pandemic. I've written two books in like a, two years. Wow. Which is wow. entirely too much. Joy is like, you, you, I'm not going to approach you anything for like a year. Joy is my agent. <laughs> yeah. who, yes. Uh, Mackenzie knows. And then, um, so, but through writing the book, which was a real, is it, I, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, let's just transcribe the show and put it in a book, but it, it didn't work that way. It, it needed more. But one of the things I discovered through working it through a book was like, oh, what a, so what, what is the death of a dream? A, what's the difference between dream and desire? Because if you look up the definition for dream, it's called, it's a cherished desire. And desire feels a little bit more sexy. You know, desire yeah. is like, oh, that's got some weight to it. That's got yeah. some like, oh, it's a little scandalous. And I would say what a dream is, a dream is anchored in your desire, but a dream is a version of your life, yourself, that doesn't have any vulnerabilities, that mm. doesn't have any weaknesses mm-hmm. or limitations. When you've imagined a dream scenario, a dream vacation, 
a dream car, a dream body, all of these things you've never imagined that you would have weaknesses in those moments. And the only way to move forward in your life is through your vulnerabilities because that's part of a human life. So a dream has to get out of the way in order to get to the deep desire that's calling you. And and I get into like St. Ignatius in the 1500s. Yeah. He actually laid out, he's like, this whole thing is like, actually the way that the giver of your life, God speaks most loudly about what you're to do, your vocation, your calling, your interest is through your desires. And that takes discernment. So, so this is like an invitation to go, well, what are my particular vulnerabilities, my weaknesses and limitations? And then how does that uniquely, what does that uniquely offer to what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and when you start getting into that, that's where the real magic happens. Um, and there's lots of examples. I don't give this example in the book, but you know, I talk about Casey Neistat. Casey Neistat started yeah. vlogging and did like a vlog a day for like 520 days or something. And yeah, he, it was insane. A lot of like vlogging is, ba- you know, influenced by him. He doesn't know how to do like after effects and stuff. Yeah. So, and, and also he trained with Tom Sachs, who's a great artist, but so a lot of his stuff is like lo-fi. It's like drawn yeah. with pens and cut out and pasted and stuff like that. And it gives it a very charming thing. He could have like, well, I don't, how do I make videos? I don't know how to do like computer graphics and stuff. And it's like, make drawings and cut it out and use popsicle sticks and stuff. Yeah. Like it's your limitation that gives you an interesting voice. Yeah. I'm at a stage now where like my, my wife and I are both very ambitious and we're doing really well in our jobs. You know, like seven years ago we were on food stamps and now we're, we're great. Uh, You know, it's been a process, but like, I still have a toddler. And yeah. I was just talking to a friend yesterday. I was just like, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I have a three and a half year old. And yep. I can't like, so for touring, because I'm getting, you know, there's interest and people want to come to shows. I'm like, I can maybe do maybe, maybe three, but two, maybe two a month is all I can do. And I'm not going to go on weekends because kids are home. So I'll do like Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. like when I'll go, I'll be like, babe. I'll leave in the morning. I'll do a show. I'll come back in the morning. I'm gone for 24 hours. That's just, that is my particular limitations right now for my stuff, but I'm actually okay with it because I don't want to be on the road for like two weeks town to town. Yeah. Um, It's, you just have to like, what, you know, we go often it's like, what's holding me back. And then it's like, well, those things, how does that uniquely, how could I contribute through those things? Um, it's all kinds of things. Like yeah. you can do that with our bodies and our voices and our faces and our abilities. And, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes the thing that gives you your unique voice and contribution. Yeah. Thoughts, queries, responses, pushbacks. Mackenzie, what do you think about that? I agree. And I think that so much of your, where you're at in your current life, those limitations, like you're talking about, it really, it continues to inform what you're doing. Cause like, mm-hmm. I'm hearing you talk about having a three-year-old and right now, like I've got a 16 year old. Yeah. My perspective is totally changing as, you know, I'm having to think of like, Whoa, you're out the door in three years. Like yeah. this is a totally different thing. And the time that I'm spending with him is so different than it yeah. was 13 mm-hmm. years ago. You know, he's wanting to hang out in the evening and watch, you know, 
Academy Award nominated movies and discuss yeah. them, you know, like it's just, it's a very different thing, but that also is so informing like the limitations I had when he had basketball season this year. It was like, what is happening where <laughs> like my life has just been taken over by driving you to basketball, oh my gosh. but it's, it just, it informs different things about your life for you to have different perspective and be able to present something different to the world because it's changed how I plan and how I structure things. And that's a lot about what I talk about with my audience and, and figuring those things out and what are your routines like and how to make mm -hmm. that work. And when that's constantly changing, it could be a frustration to me, but it allows me instead to be able to say like, okay, yeah, we all have these different seasons and we have to plan differently in them. And that's what that can look like. And so you can either just be frustrated by it, or you can learn to adapt and let it be part of what you're working from. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is the life you have. And yeah. um, I do think there's some things that you could, you can always look and be like, well, what am I spending too much time in? And what do mm -hmm. I, what, and this is where like the death practice. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the book, kind of there's like these three arguments and three counter arguments. And the last one's about kind of like, it's maybe dying is better than living. And so then, and part of the pivot, the practices is like, okay, let's let that thing die. Let's go through death and come out on the other side. Yeah. And I actually have, <laughs> it sounds so Enneagram four, but I have a pretty <laughs> consistent death practice, which means I always keep, just go, because if you, here's the thing having a bit of a death practice, like the, a, a memento mori or something mm -hmm. informs life. Cause yeah. here's the thing you could be really, you hate your life, but then if you were like, if you found out tomorrow you were going to die and you went out and you're like, I am. And then you went out for a meal and then you're there and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to give all this up tomorrow. I got all of this. And then you were eating this cheeseburger and you'd be like, cheeseburgers taste so good oh my god yeah. what a gift and then you would get in your car and you'd be driving and the sun poked out and it was reflecting on like the glass and you're like that's so beautiful oh my god so beautiful light and reflection and you saw some trees and they're budding because it's spring and you're like oh, i can't believe it so magical and then like you would get home and somebody hugged you and you're like a hug is like the best thing do you Every, yeah. All of a sudden, everything that you were bored of, you're like, oh my gosh, it's all a gift. Yeah. It all is such a gift. And it's only in the moment where that gift, you're going to have to give it all up is then you go, I see it. So why not figure out a way to practice the gift of existing? Yeah. <laughs> while hopefully you have a long life ahead of you. Yeah. And I do that like Tuesday, I, so Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm with my toddler and I'm like, I got all this stuff to do, but we're going to the petting zoo, you know, and I'm, yeah. with, I'm with him doing mundane things. I mean, there's some funny stuff, but like, you know, kids repeat things over and over and you're yes, like, oh my they do. God, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I just was in that moment. I was like, what if Jones died tomorrow? How would you treat Jones in this moment? And it's just a simple reframing of just be like, I wouldn't want to miss this moment. Yeah. That's really what I'm, and so I was just like, it helped me focus back into it. Yeah. You no, know, like, it's just that. So I do that with like, even now I'm like, you're exactly right. I don't know what it's like to have a 16 year old, but I'm like, 
man, in two years, things will be so different. Mm -hmm. And then, but my 11 year old will be 13 and I'll be like, oh man, we're coming up. We only have a few more years. And then it's like, he's going to move on. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, it's this, so it's, I think it's the invitation, like the book say yes is saying yes to so many things. But one of the layers is you have to say yes to where you're at now. Yeah. And you have to say yes to the unforeseen possibilities of what that could mean. Mm-hmm. Usually we're like, well, because of this, these are my only conclusions. And I would be like, I don't know. I think there could be some more. Think yeah. There, probably it's nothing you've thought of. And so why don't you enter into that? Um, yeah. And I loved that perspective, even on like goals and concrete outcomes. I felt mm-hmm. like it was so refreshing to be able to think like, I'm not going to focus so much on exactly what it's going to look like at the end of this. And this is even how I've sort of been framing my like resolutions for the year, for the last couple of years. Like, I'm not going to say I'm going to make this much money by the end of the first quarter or whatever, because I don't really know. I don't have that kind of a job, but I can say, well, these are the things I can do right now to hopefully be getting somewhere that I want to be going. But I have to focus on the right now more and doing that well. And then whatever that ends up being is what that ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. And giving yourself a, a, a longer timeline, you know, yeah. I get tripped up a lot where I'm like, God, I, I got to get this done in like a week. And it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or do you? Yeah. A year. Why yeah. You give yourself a year. You know, I think it's helpful to have like deadlines and in timelines, but yeah. Um, and this is in the book what's really helpful for me is, is this idea of like, if you were going to go on a road trip, but you found out you weren't going to be able to get to the destination, what kind of road trip would that, how would that affect the road trip you take? It was, yeah. and, and it's like, you would go on the road trip that the trip was just as enjoyable as getting to the yeah. destination. Yeah. And so the way that I, I'll go, okay, for instance, and this is fun to talk about because some things have sh- come to light uh, just today, but like I sat and I was like, where would, where would like the most amazing place you can imagine getting to with like performing be? And I was like the fringe festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. Do you know about the fringe festival? I think I've heard it's rings a bell. Yeah. It's not super well known in the States, but like the fringe festival is like the largest theater and comedy festival in the world. And it happens in Edinburgh. It's like all of the month of August a lot of like people launch their careers there and it's everything from like huge stage shows to just like a comedian in a room doing stuff. And there's all kinds of things there, all kinds of craziness. And I was like, it would be amazing to try to do this kind of sacred moments and dick joke stuff (laughs) at a place like that. Yeah. Because it very well could not go well. Like I watched this Lin-Manuel documentary. Well, he was part of this thing, uh, called like Superfly. Freestyle Love Supreme. Oh, yes, Freestyle Love Supreme. Superfly, <laughs> yeah. So on. Uh, and they did the Fringe Festival early on. Yes, got, that's where got, I heard about it. Okay. And they got bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was so like, if Lin-Manuel Man- yes. Miranda did something yeah. and they were like, nah, I was like, there's a very good chance that I might get bad reviews. Yeah. Or I might get good. I actually don't know. But then, but I was, and I'm actually at a spot where I'm like, if I got bad reviews, I think I could take it. Cause I would just be like, I can't believe I'm doing this here. And I don't yeah. know if I will be able to do it. I just was like, but the, that journey of trying to figure that out, that sounds really, 
I'd get up in the morning for that. Yeah. Like, just like putting those pieces together and seeing if it could happen. That's awesome. And, and then I'll just let you know, because this is new news. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine who's a pretty well-known speaker and author, she's like, hey, yesterday she called me and she's like, hey, I got asked to do a thing at the Fringe Festival uh. and I don't, I don't have anything to do, but I'm going to suggest to them that they bring you out. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, that's like my dream. That's like yeah. the thing I've, that's like my only goal. <laughs> yeah. Like try to, and, and I, I actually, a few weeks ago was like, I'm not ready this year. I will, I'm going to like, but for like 2023, I was like, I'm going to start working on it of like <laughs> trying to get something there. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? I can't. Oh my goodness. So I'm kind of in this like wonderment stage, like the best yeah. when you don't know anything. You're just like, there's a possibility. Yes. And that that's a yeah. wonderful place to be in. Well, are you going to like be posting about this on Instagram or something? Like I need, I need to follow this now. I need to know if you're going. Oh yeah. If I, if I know it's going to happen for sure. Well, I'm just solidifying some dates in the UK, which is like my first. Wow. That's amazing. In June, which is like a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, And there's a bit of a risk with it. The promoter seems like a good guy. I'll see how it goes. But I, I was actually meditating on it this morning and I was like, who cares if you, if you, if you went and you made no money at all? Yeah. Like, because what that experience, experience. you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm at a spot where th- look, there was t- totally a time in my life where like everything had to land or I would lose my living situation. Yeah. So like my wife is very successful at what she does. There's, there's a bit of give, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I yeah. can take some risks and, and, uh, and that's how I've been thinking about this year has just been like, what do you want to invest in? And maybe it doesn't like, it, maybe it's not a big payout, but it is a payout in like learning, growing, yeah. evolving, yeah. like kind of what things do you want to invest in? And that's, that is just like a, that's been a helpful, that's like my friend, uh, Lindsay's a therapist and she, I love this question because I'm a four too, but she's yeah. just like, instead of like goal setting, she has like feeling goal setting. She's like, how do you want to feel this year? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like, what things do you want to accomplish? Yeah. Like, how do you want to feel this year? That's so and, interesting. And uh, I set a word, uh, I set my word for the year was, I want to feel like I'm about to fail. Meaning I'm trying to do things that are challenging. Yeah. Like, cause you're always you're like, what if yourself I fail? Out it's there. like, yeah. have you tried to fail? Like, cause if, cause I read somebody was like, I tried to fail one year and I, I mostly didn't. <laughs> everything yeah. I did, everything yeah. I thought I would fail out, I actually accomplished, and I didn't know I could do that. And I was like, "What an interesting test to go." Yeah. Well, let me try to fail. That's I just awesome. went and saw uh, again Rob Bell. He came through town speaking, and I got a chance to talk to him afterwards. And he's like, "What I?" He's like, "I spent, I spent a, I spent a few weeks just think, thinking about this thing I'm doing." He's like, "I spent a long time thinking, what would it?" what could I do that would fail? And I just thought, I just sat and going, what would failure feel like for me? And he's like, as I, and I just went through all those emotions. And so then he's like, well, kind of lived through it all. So I guess let's try to do something that fails. Yeah. I already lived through all the feelings yeah. of it. And I was like, that's, that's a great exercise. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think what it, I had this, I've been on a lot of podcasts and I'm glad to be with you. Oh. And Liz Bohannon, Oh yeah. We, we talked about this, but she was like, cause I was like, my main argument was like, you know why 
it, an almost 40 year old man trying to do performing art sounds awful because it sounds embarrassing. Yeah. She, she was like, Scott, I think embarrassment is the number one killer of people trying to do things. Yeah. And then, and then I talked to who to, I talked to my friend, Jonathan Martin in Oklahoma city. And he said that there's this book, something about like, it's not the art of dying. It's something about people dying and hospital yeah. workers, but um, he said in that book that what this hospice care worker talks about is like what happens when you, um, when your body, when you go into hospice, you basically can't take care of your body anymore. And it is, uh, it, they call it the path of embarrassment, the path of complete hum humility. Oh, yeah. And on the other side of that is immense joy and mm. peace. It's like when everything's, your faculties are kind of stripped from you and you have to say yes to that. Yeah. Like it's really freeing. And this, I mentioned this about Bronnie Ware. She says like when people go into hospice care, they like a peace comes over them because they, mm -hmm. it just like, you have to submit to it. Yeah. And I was putting these pieces together and I was like, wow, that is, and this is, this is for you, the listener. And for us, it's just like the path of starting anything new is the path of humiliation. It's yeah. the path of like stripping your ego down. But if you can work through that humiliation the gift on the other side of that is like confidence and a deep joy yeah, and like a, a satisfaction of like, man, I like so many things had to die, Yeah, but I'm really glad they did. Cause wow, yeah. that is, that is a tremendous gift. Um, so anyways, oh, I love that. that. Yeah. That's so I want to make some art about that and like a little thing about, cause I think that's, I do. When Liz said that, I was like, I think you're right. I don't, yeah. I don't really get it say that in the book but I was like you're really right like that path yeah. of humiliation is the thing that's holding us back well and once um, you can get past that and you can just mm -hmm. start putting stuff out there like that's where you start to actually gain ground yeah and without kind of just being willing to face that humiliation you're never going to get there yeah yeah and I actually think well one is Father Richard Rohr, Franciscan Friar Richard mm -hmm. Rohr. He said he had a thing where he's like, every day I try to be embarrassed. Meaning, like he's like, I try to taste humiliation. Oh, for an Enneagram three, that's just like the most painful thing ever. I know. I know. <laughs> but I actually think we're at a time in culture. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is by a designer named Stephen Sagmeister, and he says, "Anybody trying to do something honest is interesting." Yeah. And I think there is something amazing about a polished piece of work where you're like, that was unbelievable. I can't believe that singer. Oh, I think that guy died. I shouldn't use this example. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that singer from uh, Bare Naked Ladies on one week said all those words so fast without tripping up. That's amazing. You know, yeah. when somebody can, uh, when Chance the Rapper can rap and you're like, how did you say all that? That's amazing. But there's also something really endearing and inviting when you see somebody trying to do something and they're like, hold on, what do I say next? Yeah. Hold yeah. on, I'm still, I'm working this out. It, and then you're like, look at this person trying to do something in the world. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think that's even that's more like Very inviting. compelling. Yeah. And so we can... So maybe our path of humiliation can be a means of solidarity. It can be a means of encouragement. Well, and I um, think it's relatable. Yeah, mm, that's great. Yeah, 
And I think it makes people more endeared to us when it's not perfect because they can see themselves in us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Scott, I feel like we could have talked all day. (laughs) We totally could. Yeah. And now I have another podcast recording. I actually have to rush off to, or I would totally like, you know, dive in farther, but do you want to crack out some of these stock questions really quick? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. All right. That obviously you're for. (laughs) Um, Light. (laughs) Yes. Cloth napkins or paper? Mm, Paper. Okay. City or country? City. Paper or digital? Paper. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? That, that is evolving. Uh, I want to say in the store, but most stores suck now. Yeah, so, like they do. online's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Uh, music. Okay. And chocolate, milk or dark? Dark. Sports or no sports? <laughs> Watching or playing? Either one. Oh, no sports. Okay. I love, I love doing active things, but no. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Broadcast. What is your favorite movie? Oh gosh. Uh, I keep coming back to It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your hair and dreadlocks, where would you be on the spectrum? (laughs) Oh man. I was hanging out with some like very woo woo friends and I was like, I'm like a three. And they're like, no, you're like a seven. Uh, So (laughs) let's say like, let's say five in the middle. Okay. Maybe four. I'm not very, I'm very mystical, but I like get practical too. So. Okay. Those are great answers. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun, Scott. I loved having you on. All right. Let's do it again. Yes, for sure. Once you listen to Born a Crime, we'll we'll circle back. Okay, perfect. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right, that is it for this week's episode. You made it. It may have felt a little crazy at points, but I hope that you really enjoyed it and you had some fun takeaways from it. If you want show notes to anything that we talked about, like those links to the books that we mentioned in the very beginning of the show or any of that kind of thing, you can find them by swiping up in whatever app you are listening to the podcast on or going over to mckenziecoppa.com and clicking on podcast. Also, if you want to get more involved in the live well anyway community and you're like hmm I want to invest a little bit more into planning and I'd like to hear more from Mackenzie and from Katie and and talk with other ladies who are also trying to live well anyway in the midst of stress and real life and all that good stuff we would love to have you come and join us over on Patreon which you can find at patreon.com slash live well together we've got really fun groups that you can become a part of we have a private Facebook group where I go live four days a week. We have a mini cast that comes out two times a month that Katie and I just shoot the breeze and talk about fun new things in our lives and discoveries and things we've been reading. We have a bring your own book book club that meets every month. We've got a lot of stuff going on over there and we would love to have you come be a part of it. You can get in for just $5 a month and we've got all kinds of other different levels where they offer different things. But if you come over there, you can check it out and we would love to welcome you to the fray. So head over to Patreon 
patreon.com slash live well together. We hope to see you there. All right. Until next week, ladies, when we'll be back with another fun episode, go be bold and gracious. Oh, 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 o